Amen. So if you open your Bibles to Psalm 23, we're going to take a look at this psalm, this precious psalm. Uh, you maybe even have already memorized this psalm. This is uh, such a wonderful psalm. Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, I want to start out this morning by just um, asking you a question. And I hope that today and uh, maybe even uh, over the course of the next week or so, you give serious consideration to this question. And here's the question. What do you want out of your Christianity? What is it that you're looking for uh, from Christianity? You know, this morning, I want to share with you some of the things that the Lord has been speaking to my heart. As you know, Tina and I, our family, we served in Eastern Europe for five years before we moved to the West. We lived in Hungary, uh, and, and I have a great love for the Hungarian people. Um, now, uh, you, you may not know this, maybe you do, but the city of Budapest was originally two cities, right? And they were combined about a thousand years ago. Uh, there's one side of the Danube is the Buddha side, and that's the hilly side of Budapest. And then the other side is the Pest side, and that's the flat side of the Danube. And when Ishvan became the first king of Hungary, uh, again, about a thousand years ago, he combined these two cities, and now we know them today as Budapest. Well, on the Buddha side of the Danube is Buddha Castle. And it was pretty much completely destroyed during World War II. But uh, they rebuilt it, and it's a beautiful place to go. And and it houses today, uh, among other things, um, an art museum. And one of my favorite sculptures is housed there. And it's not a well-known sculpture. Like, you would be hard-pressed to find a picture of this sculpture on, on Google. But it's a sculpture of a little boy. He's maybe four, four and a half feet tall. Somewhere in the, uh, you know, just lanky, slender. Uh, he's probably in the neighborhood of, you know, uh, 12 to 14 years old. And he's leaning on a sword like this. The sword's much bigger than him. And he's leaning on the sword. And at his feet is a severed head. And that head is up to his knees. It's so big. And it's a sculpture of David after he slew Goliath. Now, when we were in Israel, we stayed a few days in Bethlehem, and I was asked before the trip, you know, to uh, 
you know, share, you know, like what locations, Gary, would you like to teach at? And, and uh, you know, I offered a few areas that I thought would be cool to teach at. Uh, our trip was all uh, pastors, uh, more than half the group, uh, probably a quarter of the group was from Peru. Another quarter at least was from Mexico. And uh, there was only four uh, American pastors on our trip uh, from across the United States. And we all got opportunities to share and teach. And they asked me, where would you like to teach? And I offered a few areas that, uh, that were on my heart. And one of them was in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And the Lord had been stirring my heart so much in regards to the events that have been that surrounded Bethlehem. And, and maybe you're familiar with some of those events. You know, Rachel died and was buried just outside of Bethlehem. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, Jesus, he was born in Bethlehem. And, and he probably ran around the fields, played in the fields around Bethlehem as a young boy. And uh, as I thought about these things, I actually failed. I didn't even think about it until we were on the trip. I actually failed to realize the greatest of all events that occurred in Bethlehem uh, in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And that's when the angel appeared to the shepherds and declared that today, this day, there's a Savior born in the city of David. And uh, that's where I got to share where traditionally is the spot where the angels uh, shared with the shepherds. It's called the shepherd's field. And even though these were the major events that, w that took place there in and around the outskirts of Bethlehem, my mind was fixed on David. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a young boy. He shepherded his father's flocks uh, in those fields uh, on the outside of Bethlehem. And, you know, it just brought me to this psalm, Psalm 23. I think Psalm uh, 23, it's such a wellspring of encouragement um, to all mature Christians who have fought battles or currently find themselves in a battle. I think the psalm uh, is written to those who have carried burdens or are currently carrying uh, burdens. But even though those are things that I think what I know about this psalm is that this psalm was written so that we could hear the Lord's heart for each of us. David, he was no stranger to difficulties or trying circumstances, even as a young boy. And you'll recall when Samuel was sent by God to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. David, he was totally left out of the conversation. Right? Uh, he wasn't even considered by his dad that, that God would even, it, it never entered his dad's mind that God would even dare to want to see David paraded before the prophet Samuel. And when God uh, had rejected all the sons of Jesse, Samuel probably thought to himself, well, is that it? I mean... You don't have any more boys? I mean, I was pretty sure that the Lord said, go to your Jesse's house and anoint the next king of Israel. I mean, uh, God's rejected all of these. I mean, is, is that it? And in 1 Samuel 16, 11, I'll read it to you. Uh, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? 
Then he said, uh, you know, there remains yet the youngest. I mean, uh, and there he is keeping the, the sheep. You know, Jesse says, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I got a young son. You know, he's the runt of the litter. He's out there in the fields watching over the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, bring him in here, right? For we will not sit down till he comes in. And in verse 12, it says that he sent and brought David in. Now, uh, he was ruddy, bright-eyed, and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. In the eyes of David's father, David was an afterthought. I mean, David wasn't even a consideration, right? David's dad thought of David as unimportant, you know, in insignificant, inconsequential. And yet, David was a man after God's heart. And what the Lord has been speaking to me, to my heart, has been about being a man after God's heart. And you see, in the big scheme of things, I know I'm very much just an afterthought to many people, if they consider me at all. I mean, I am totally unimportant, insignificant, completely inconsequential. But, you know, I have a desire to be a man after God's heart, right? Uh, that's, and the funny thing is this, is I know that's actually the resume that God is looking for in a man. You know, that's the type of man God is looking to use. So the question that I've been pondering is, how can I be a David? How can I be a man after God's heart? And again, the Lord pointed me to this psalm, Psalm 23. And in verse 1, it says, a psalm of David. We don't know when uh, this psalm was penned. We don't know whether it was early in David's life or later in David's life after he's faced many struggles. In my mind, you know, I just imagine that it was written early in David's life. You know, I imagine David laying out in those fields of Bethlehem just laying on his back, looking up, staring into the blue sky, watching the clouds just kind of float by, just thinking about the goodness of God, just reflecting on the blessings that he had been, that he had experienced from God. And it says, verse 1, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. When we lived in Germany, uh, there were shepherds, uh, with their flocks that were grazing all around uh, the area that we lived. And I spent a lot of time watching those shepherds. Being a shepherd, I don't think it's an easy job. You know, they're out there all by themselves. They're out there all day with the sheep by themselves. And uh, the shepherd goes with the sheep every place they go. And uh, he watches over there and he keeps them safe. I mean, it's a lonely, lonely job being a shepherd. He's all by himself. He's out there with the sheep in the heat of the day. He's out there with the sheep in the midst of the rain. He's out there with the sheep when it's tremendously cold. And he's out there with the sheep because he loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. He cares for them. In a very real sense, every shepherd that genuinely has a love for his sheep in a, in a real sense, he lays down his life in order to care 
for his sheep. And truth be told, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, I don't know. But truth be told, sheep are really dumb animals. And they're totally defenseless. Um, they tend to be gifted at getting lost. I mean, um, maybe you know this or not. A sheep, he can walk around the corner of the barn. And once he loses sight of the shepherd and the flock, he, he thinks he's lost. You know, he begins to cry out, I'm lost, I'm lost, help me, help me, somebody help me. I mean, he's just, they, they just, they need a shepherd. And knowing that sheep are dumb and defenseless, that they easily get lost, that's why the shepherd actually loves them so much and cares for them. He cares for his sheep lovingly, uh, tenderly, because without him, he knows that they're just a meal on four hoofs for any predator that comes their way. And Jesus said that he's the good shepherd. He's our good shepherd. And he lays his life down for the sheep. And not only did he die for us, but he rose again and now he lives for us. He stands there with us, watching over us, loving us, caring for us, because he knows that we're just like dumb sheep, completely, totally helpless and defenseless. And if I've offended you, that's just the truth. I'm sorry. We're just dumb sheep, you know. Apart from our good shepherd, the enemy would eat us for lunch. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. The imagery of a shepherd is just such a beautiful picture that God paints of God's love, his constant presence, his strength, his protection, and his desire to be close to us. You know, and, and as we follow him, he minister, ministers to us in the most wonderful of ways. And again, I just imagine David, he's laying out there in the fields. He's just rejoicing in his heart uh, over the God who's so willing to bless. And in this psalm, you know, we can imagine David just reflecting on who God is. And he thinks to himself, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you know, it's always interesting when you're studying, it's always instructive uh, to see how other translations word the text that you're looking at. Right? The NIV uh, translates this, this verse this way. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Christian Standard Bible, CSB, uh, translates the verse, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The NASB 20 says it like this, The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. And the New Living Translation says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And the Bible says that there's no want for those that fear God. You know, for those that reverence him. And it goes on to say that the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
It also says, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. And Jesus himself even said, Matthew 6, we know it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, at, and all these things, all that you are in need of shall be added to you. God is not going to allow his flock to suffer need, especially when they're trying with all their heart to live their lives for him. He's promised to supply all our needs, but we have to understand he hasn't promised to supply all our greeds. And that's where people get tripped up. They think that God should supply all their wants instead of being satisfied with having all their needs met by him. When we seek after the Lord, there's nothing that we are going to lack in regards to our needs. And if you um, feel like there's some need in your life that's gone unmet by the Lord, you know, then you need to understand that uh, actually it's not good for you at this time or else the Lord would have given it to you. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's here that David reflects on God as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And in verse 2, it says, He makes me lay down in green pastures. It, it speaks of God's provision and abundance. And, and I imagine the sheep, you know, I, I've never had a sheep. <laughs> I don't want one because they're a lot of work. But I imagine sheep, they get pretty excited when they see, you know, uh, pastures that are lush and green, filled with tender, you know, I don't know, delicious grass just there for the taking. Uh, it makes me think, though, of the nourishment that's there for us to be had in, the, in, in uh, God's Word as we give ourselves to God's Word. It makes me think of how the Word makes us healthy. It gives us strength. And how we grow strong as we feed on the abundance of what God has for us in his living word. And it says lying down in green pastures. I mean, it speaks of rest there. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly and I will give rest to your souls. Right? It's only the Lord. It's only in the Lord that we're going to ever find the rest that's needed for a weary soul. You know, Psalm 23.2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And you know, again, it's not like I'm a sheep expert, but this is just what I've learned over the years. Sheep are so dumb. You know what? They'll walk into a, a raging river uh, to get a drink of water, and they'll be swept away. And then the next sheep will do the same exact thing. And the, the one after another, that river will sweep them all away. You know, but with Jesus, our good shepherd, he leads us besides still waters, safe waters, so that our thirst can be satisfied. You know, there's a spiritual thirst that can only be quenched in Jesus Christ. You know, the world knows nothing of satisfying that deep spiritual thirst that's in the heart of men. And 
what the world would offer to satisfy that thirst is only a temporary, uh, you know, short satisfaction, leaving you even more thirsty than you were before. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And it's here that David is contemplating that our God is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. And it says, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, it speaks of a, to me of refreshment, of obviously restoration. When our souls are weary, right? That's the Lord, our God. His heart is a heart of blessing, right? We can get so hurt in this world. You know, we can, uh, you know, uh, be beat up in the world. People will let us down. You know, situations will break us down. But God's heart is to refresh and to restore. And you know, anybody that's either here or listening online, if you're feeling heavy this morning, you know, God's heart would be for you to cry out to him and receive from him because he's the only one who knows how to restore and refresh uh, our broken hearts. And here David, as he lays back in the grass watching the clouds float by, you know, he meditates on God as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Verse 3, it says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. First off, it's God who leads us. I don't know if you know this, but sheep can't be driven like cows. You know, they have to be led. But it's the shepherd that goes before him. He encounters every danger before the sheep even comes close to that danger. You know, he, and he does it because he loves the sheep. And that actually, the fact that the shepherd goes before the sheep is actually a comfort to the sheep. It quiets them down. And Jesus, as our good shepherd, the one who goes before us, he personally goes before us in order to lead us in paths of righteousness. Right? He lovingly takes us by the hand and he leads us on. Why? Why would the Lord do that? Well, it's for his name's sake. In the Bible, name is synonymous with character and nature. Right? He personally leads us because that's his character. That's his nature. He shows us the way we're to go because we're called by his name. We're Christians. And since we're called by his name, uh, since we are Christians, it's for his reputation's sake that he leads us. It's through his leading, never forsaking us, extending grace, mercy, and love to us. It's through that that it's all his goodness is on display for the world to see. And I think it's here that we see David thinking on God as Jehovah to Sidkenu, right? The Lord, our righteousness. And in verse four, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David, he was no stranger to danger, right? Remember when David, he went out to see how his brothers were doing while they were in Saul's army. Now, the Philistines were on one hill overlooking the uh, Elah Valley and the Israel. 
Israelites were on the other hill. They were squaring off uh, to fight. And remember how when David heard Goliath trash-talking the armies of Israel, uh, David, he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, and you remember some of the soldiers overheard David said this, so they took uh, David to Saul. And David said to Saul, Hey, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with a Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight with him. I mean, you're just a youth. And he's been uh, a man of war from his youth. And remember what David said? It always, I, I wonder about it frequently, actually. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and uh, took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered that lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. And, and you know what? It's just the way I think, man. I wonder sometimes, you know, I mean, David grabbed that lion by the beard. I mean, imagine a three, four hundred pound lion. He grabs him by the beard in one hand. What did David have in his other hand? I mean, I don't want anything less than a nine millimeter in the other hand if you're going grab to a, grab a lion by the beard, right? You know, and don't forget, David is talking about when he's a little boy. David, you know, he continues to say, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David didn't fear the valley of the shadow of death. Because he knew that God was with him, right? He had past experience with God. And there's no place that we can go that God is not with us, right? And if we will fear the Lord, then there's no reason to fear anything else. You know, as long as we keep ourselves in the center of God's will for our lives, he'll not allow anything into our lives that's not for our good. David, thinking about God's goodness, his protection, his faithfulness, goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a shepherd's rod is basically just the club that he uses to beat back the predators in protecting the sheep. And the staff is that shepherd's crook that he uses to rescue the sheep when he's in a, uh, when he gets into trouble as they do naturally. And both the rod and the, the staff is a comfort to the sheep. And you know, the rod of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is the cross, right? Which has spelt defeat for the enemy of our soul. And his staff is the Holy Spirit. You know what? It's a tremendous comfort to the followers of Jesus Christ, you know, that we have in the cross and in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David expresses his understanding here of God as Jehovah Shammah, 
The Lord is there. In verse 5, he says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You know, there's no reason for us to fear anyone, ever. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. And it continues, it goes on and says, But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Even in the midst of those who are actively engaged uh, against us, they're in opposition to us, God will still provide for us, even in their presence, right? He's going to feed us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to nourish us in his word. He's going to protect us, defend us, right? He's poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, anointing us to be his witnesses, even in the midst of our enemies. You know, in these days of Psalm 23, and in the Bible times, you know, oil was used to heal wounds and bruises. You remember the good Samaritan, they poured wine and oil on him for, for his, bring healing to his body. You know, anointing our heads with oil here in this Psalm is a picture for us of the healing that the Lord provides for each of us. When we get bruised and banged up uh, in life, the Lord's there for each of us to run to so that we can receive healing. And our cup, our cups overflow. I mean, I tell you what, each of us are so rich. We are so rich. In the eyes of the world, we are rich and wealthy beyond imagination. The Lord has blessed us with such an abundance. And I've often wondered why, Lord, why have you blessed us as a people, as Americans? Why have you blessed us financially? Why have you blessed us as Americans with such freedom to travel across the world freely? I mean, you know what? We can go almost any place in the world without a visa. And there's no fear that even if we have to apply for a visa that we're going to be rejected. No fear at all. There's no place, almost no place on this earth that we cannot travel to. And I've asked the Lord, why, Lord? And I think the Lord has blessed us so greatly with with things. He's enriched us so abundantly. And the reason, I think, is so that we will go and tell people about his great love. He's blessed us financially. He's blessed us with freedom to travel so that we'll go into all the world and make disciples, right? So that we'll share God's offer of forgiveness for sins in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. As Americans, we are so rich. God help us not to squander the wealth and blessings that he's entrusted to us. Verse five, it says, you prepare a table Before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Here we see David uh, meditating on God as Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner, as well as Jehovah uh, Makedesh, right? The Lord who sanctifies in regards to anointing our head with oil. And then in verse 6, I always said that this was my mom's verse because my mom's name was Shirley. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is nothing but 
total, absolute confidence in the Lord. It's a, it's a statement of confident expectation in the goodness of God and in his promises to us. You know, we can't help but be confident in the Lord if we'll just take time to remember what the Lord has done for each one of us. As we take time to just meditate on who the Lord is. In verse 1, David starts out this psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God is so good to each of us. And in this psalm, it shows us that God who provides for us, it's that it is God who provides for us rest and refreshment, verse 2. Restoration and righteousness, verse 3. Protect, uh, protection in times of trouble, verse 4. Provision in the wilderness, verse 5. Blessing throughout our lives and a home with him when we come to the end of our life, verse 6. You know, I asked you in the beginning, what do you want out of your Christianity? David was a man after God's heart because all that David wanted was the presence of the Lord in his life. You know, he meditated on God's goodness and his past faithfulness. If you and I answer that question, what, what do you want out of Christianity? If our answer is anything other than to know the Lord and to enjoy his presence, we're missing out. We're missing out. God wants the best for us and there's nothing better for us than to experience him in his fullness. And it's my prayer that we would give our hearts to the Lord, that we would seek to know him like never before, forgetting those things that lay behind, pressing on for that upward call of God in Christ Jesus, just to enjoy him, to sit at his feet and seek to hear from him. I recently heard a story, actually, I, I think it was yesterday, that I heard about this man who was in a barbershop. He's getting a haircut. And as he's getting his haircut, the conversation turns, you know, towards God. And the barber confidently declares his position, there is no God. I can't believe that there is a God who is all-powerful, all-loving, he says, when there's so much evil in the world. I don't see God at all working to make things any better. And after the man received his haircut, he paid the barber and he left the shop. And as he exited the shop, he sees this homeless man. And this homeless man, he was unshaved. He was unkept. His hair was uh, pretty ratty. He was just generally dirty. And that man brought the homeless man back into the barber shop. And he said, I don't believe in barbers. Right? How can there be uh, barbers in this world when there are people who are unshaved and, and their hair is long and ratty? You know, they're just generally dirty. I don't believe in barbers. I don't see barbers doing anything to make things better. And the barber said, that's the silliest thing anybody's ever said. Because that man has never come to me so that I can help him. And, and you know what? That's the reality. God has so much for us. But we got to come to him. We got to spend our time in his presence. We got to run to him. And we got to do it on his terms. It's not how I want it. 
to do it. It's not how I, I get out of it, what I want. Man, it's all about Him. You know, I love the misquote too. Uh, you hear it from time to time, uh, Psalm 23, 1. You hear it misquoted. The Lord is my shepherd. What more can I want? And you know what? That's the truth. He's all that we need, right? He's the answer to every problem, but we got to run to him. We got to embrace him. We got to give all that we are to him on a daily basis. As one helpless, defenseless, dumb sheep to another, we need to understand that, you know, the closer we are to our shepherd, the safer we're going to be in this world. Not to mention the peace and the comfort that will overwhelm our hearts. You know, one day, I believe very soon, we're going to meet our shepherd. And what a glorious day that's going to be. Man, I cannot wait. But until then, I want to be a man after God's heart. You know, I want to give myself to him fully, completely. Just seek to know him, to sit in his presence, to hear his voice. And all of that is going to happen as I meditate on who God is. As I consider how faithful he's been. You know, his grace, his mercy, his love, how freely it's been extended to me. It will all happen as I give myself to him, holding nothing back, seeking to bring glory to his name. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that you would consider someone like me. That you would be willing to send your son to die on the cross for someone like me. And that you would so lovingly for all my life care for me. Care for us. Pour out blessings upon us, Lord. Just continually seek to get our attention. Lord, to willingly, to patiently wait for us to turn our hearts towards you in greater and greater measures. Lord, would you work that in us, Lord? Would you help us just to run for you every day to prioritize your word, to prioritize fellowship with you in your presence, to put you first in everything that we do. Lord, we love you. Lord, until the time that you come for us, Lord, use us for your glory. Fill us with your spirit. Open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you in greater and greater measure, day by day. Lord, we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.